to the Making Laps Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Making Laps Podcast. I am your host, Brent Gleason. Alongside me is my brother, Jesse Gleason. Hello. And on the line this week, we got him back, was Phil Jakes. Oh, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Phil. Hi. We're going to send that to whoever you make for friends in Florida. Is this what you want? Uh, Are you happy now? Yeah, yeah, that's good. You wanted to come out. You want to do this right now. <laughs> We're just going to do it every time. You'll never live it down. Fine with me. Oh. It just gets funnier every time. No. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So in keeping with tradition, I believe this past week, more big news came out of uh, big league racing, be it NASCAR or NHRA, which we'll get to later. But... It, what, news, tip- news from the day after our release date. Yeah. Welcome news from a week segment. ago. News from the day after our release date. I think Jesse actually t- uh, reminded me that we hadn't actually talked about the new NASCAR schedule because I believe that was the news that came right after we were released. Not even recorded because sometimes I can get back and like edit something in. I think I've only ever done that like twice. But obviously news dropping of the new schedule for NASCAR. And I think... It was a really big shakeup in terms of uh, the last at least decade and a half. I mean, has there really been this much schedule change in that long of a time? Not I don't since, think so. Not since 2004, anyway, when they dropped Rockingham from the schedule, and and uh, they dropped uh, you know Wilkesboro before that, and you know it hasn't been since that that we've had. Yeah, but have we ever lost of- like two tracks in a year? Ooh. I don't even know. I think we lost what Kansas for next year and Chicago Land is pretty much gone anyway. They're probably bulldozing the place. Kentucky, Kentucky, and Chicago Land was it Kentucky? Kentucky. It was a K yep. word. It's, okay, so it's the race that the people hated more. Everybody complains about Kentucky, but the two most hated races. So, what Chicago? See, I've always liked Kentucky. I never minded it. I just thought that the different car packages, whatever they were running for downforce and horsepower combos, it really determined how they raced there than anything else. You can have a good race anywhere. It's the cars that suck. Yeah, that's that's what my opinion was too. Yeah, I mean, um, but no, they. I think if we're gonna listen, if we're gonna not only talk about that, but we're gonna talk about Chicago. I mean. I think the only real redeeming moment ever in Chicagoland's history was when Todd Zegedy got chased by a giant inflatable orange when trying to qualify <laughs> in, what, 2004? I, I think so, yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's the only thing people bring up when they think Chicagoland. So it's like and they think murder. No one got it, shot either. So The it's, only thing they think of at Kentucky is Jeff Fuller's hit in the bush race back in whatever that was, 08, I think. I, I don't remember. Oh, that. God, that was awful. Well, I don't no, remember that, and neither does he. So I don't. No. Uh, that's He hit so hard in the past. I believe it was the passenger side of the car, flat yep. against that abutment where the ambulance comes out on the backstretch that they used to have. I think they've since gotten rid of them or redesigned the tracks or something. But yes. he hit one of those, and the he hit so hard the body blew off the car. They're welded on. 
it's like well oh. it knocked uh, supposedly anyway knocked the door bars in six inches six inches would be nothing <laughs> if it's that big of a hit and if it went any farther they'd be like naming that, a roll bar you're after him. all the suspension you're hitting the frame you're hitting all everything all at once when you hit that square oh well yeah i can see that yeah that's pretty big i don't think he was conscious for most of it afterwards thank god I think the only real issue he had, like, physically, other than, obviously, a concussion, was a broken wrist. Well, I could see that. But, yeah, if you're looking at these racetracks and all you see are those two moments and there's not like, hey, this magic moment in NASCAR history happened here or this, you know, iconic win or there's no real genuine moments other than a crash and a giant inflatable orange that's... uh, well, I think well, it's kind of time to move on. Well, you know, you say iconic win, but didn't David Gilliland win as like a David versus Goliath thing at Kentucky in like the first race there? I honestly don't know because nobody ever brings it up. Yeah, I, yeah, that's what I mean. That's a, that's a. I, I thought maybe Greg Biffle won the first uh, um, Xfinity race there, but I know I know that was about it. Um, but tw- but Kentucky hasn't been hosting races that long there. It was like 2011 for Kentucky. Um, and how long has Chicagoland been around for? Late ni- uh, late 90s. Late 90s they built it, I think. Yeah, so, so they've had enough they've time. Had it le- but they've had it like 18 years or 20. I can't remember. <laughs> but yeah, Gilliland's first win was in 2006. It was like 2009 is is uh is like uh Kentucky's first real cup race or 2010 uh, because or was can, it was it one of those weirdo tracks like uh, Pikes Peak or well you know the, Iowa where they only don't they don't really for they don't really have it or Nazareth well where they don't really like this, ever have the capability of hosting cup races or something. well I have a theory Whatever. on this because number one they Chicagoland is an ISC corporation track Mm-hmm. Which ISC was a company that is what? Well, it is a company that was founded by Bill Francis, a separate entity. NASCAR's um, that's NASCAR's brand, right? But yeah. then emerged with like uh, Penske merged with it and has like a lot of big ownership with it. it. Ran it for a while, and then in October of 2019, NASCAR bought it again and uh, made it public. Uh, so yeah, NASCAR they, owns. I think that. it's a privately traded company. They bought all the shares, right? This is correct. Yes, and yeah. and uh, Speedway uh, Motor Incorporated, uh, that is the Bruton Smith model, owns uh, Kentucky. So I think dropping one each would um, negate any kind of uh, antitrust lawsuit that uh, they would that NASCAR would be facing. Uh, uh, NASCAR had a two thousand had an antitrust suit. Uh, that was dismissed, actually, but it was thrown at him from uh, Bruton Smith's company to Speedway Motors in 2008. Mm. Um, so I think it may quell that. I mean, it was dismissed, but it's uh, it, that would quell any kind of doubt if you take one each away from them. Um, now the only Jesse's using smart words over here. Yeah. I, I, I took my yeah fish Oreos or something. I don't know what the fuck I ate. But yeah. <laughs> they make fish Oreos now. Hey, what are you gonna do? You know, weird. Mm, anyway, but uh, anyway, so so now you got a question: is where are the two races going? And uh, ISC is gonna have one of their races. Uh, At Atlanta is gonna have a second race again. They used to have two for a long time. Then they only got one. Now they're gonna be going back up to two races. Mm-hmm. And now the only question is: where's the Chicago Land race gonna go? Uh, second Darlington race. Comment. They're having two Darlington races next year. 
they also have uh you know uh the road america they have mid ohio maybe going in and they have i think it said five road courses as of right now yeah six and seven if you include the uh, bush clash is, well, I meant okay, yeah. Um, oh, yeah so they right. got the stupid bush clash on the road course, which is gonna suck. Um, and then they have the Roval, Sonoma, Watkins Glen, uh, Road Atlanta. I mean Road America, uh, Circuit of the Americas, and I know I'm missing one. Mid Ohio? No, I don't know if they're going there or not. Maybe it was five plus one. I think it's five with a tentative one. I think that's what they said. Um, but no, I'm I'm actually really excited to see more road racing, and I've oh, also road course. Yeah, road courses are the new uh, short tracks in my well, a lot of people's opinions. But they are new short tracks, basically. They're fun. They they're very physical. They're not terribly high speed, but you don't need it to be. It, it produces a lot of action at times. Um, well, these thirty four hundred pound turds aren't made to turn left and right sharply. Well, the new cars might be. So I think this is just well, going to be them getting ready for that. They've tried that before. Kind of transition. <laughs> didn't they have an LR car? That it was an LR car back in 87, <laughs> yeah. which never worked. But No, it was like a three-quarter scale car. But, um, no, it was seven-eighths. That seven brings the question because car. when that car was made, they were thinking about going to city races because those were popular with the Indy cars. Do you guys think that uh, city races would be on the tab in the near future? Maybe not next year. 2022, but, uh, they'll probably go to either Nashville or Chicago. Um, that's what I'm guessing. For a city? Yeah, for a city course. I'd like to see them go to St. Pete. They can't go in... Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Um, but they can't go to Chicago. They're going to get shot. Right, which is why they're pulling out. Yeah, they can't go... They're, 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 yeah, they have like, like the highest the murder rate anywhere. They can't shut down an entire, like, you know... Eight city blocks or something like a that. A war zone. Yeah. They Just have to have the National Guard for that. Nah, I hope they don't go to city races. IndyCar got rid of them for a long time ago for many reasons. Number one, uh, they suck to watch, especially from a fan standpoint. Yeah, who's going to come to it? There's not that much area. You can't move, you can't (laughs) do anything because everything's all blocked off. You have to close half the city. Yeah. What are you going to do, walk? (laughs) Nobody comes to them. Plus, city courses are not conducive to uh, passing very often, so they get kind of boring as well. Like you watch Monaco, Monaco's boring. They don't. Nobody passes. Uncle sucks. Yeah. Do you ever watch the Pinties races up on the uh, street courses up in Canada? Yes, I do. I there do. There was one of them that was vaguely exciting for like a minute, and then I turned it off. Yeah. No. I, when they were, when they went to like Zirkut Gilvilnuv, that was pretty neat. Oh, those, those were. You know, I have no problem with them on a dedicated road course or some or Jukasa and oval, but yeah, city races. You watch them, they suck. Yeah, they're really Why boring. Why are we not racing in the Cup Series at Jucasa? Uh, because SMI, because SMI or ISC doesn't own it, and yeah, people, right. with, people with <laughs> ties to it don't own it. So, <laughs> that's yeah, right. They're not going anywhere. They, well, look how many stands there are. Dover. Too. They don't own National Super Speedway. They don't own Pocono. Yeah, but these people all have different stakes and assets in the company. It would be neat to race a Jucasa, but there's not enough stands there. There's not enough big corporate suites there. It's if you look at the stands, there's not much there. Although I think it would be a really neat idea. You guys listen to hear me out on this. Um, you, you know how uh, I don't know how many hockey fans there are in the room besides Brent and me, but 
uh, hockey has this thing called Craft Hockeyville, where once once in the very beginning of the season that they take place at some local rink or something like that, some small local rinky dink rink, you know, bumfuck Texas or something, you know. So I think it would be kind of a good idea if, like, maybe one race on the schedule, they take the cup cars and go to a a small track like a Jucasa or a Thompson or even a Stafford, run only 25 cars. going back to these places. That would be neat. And then... You can make it work. Get rid of all the provisionals and then make them fight for it. God damn. Jesse's right, though. Jucasa doesn't have any seats. That place only seats, like, 7,000 people. That's, like, less... That's, like... Less than Stafford, I think. Stafford yeah. holds 10,000, I believe. Thompson, I believe, holds 10,000 now since they took the pit stand out. It used to be 13, but whatever. Yeah. We're arguing semantics at this point. So anyway, I need to kind of address the elephant in the room, and nobody here has mentioned Bristol Dirt yet. We haven't. Does and- anybody really want to offer an opinion on this? Because I sure do. I, I have some information that I can provide as to why that was done. Well, okay, I'm waiting with bated breath. Comment? Yeah, I'm waiting. <laughs> Did we lose Phil? I think we lost him. As... Oh, my God! <laughs> this news can that... you hear me now? Holy shit, he's oh. back. Oh. Jesus Christ, that scared Great. the hell out of me. Great, thank you. All right, so... <laughs> Let me try this again. Yes, sir. We are waiting with bated breath. And an, an inside source who is a friend of all of ours, who we know very well, that will re- remain nameless. No. By request. Yeah, no speaking. Um, Fair. Specifically told me that the reason that NASCAR and the RTA will not <laughs> take the Cup Series to a place like Knoxville or Eldora has nothing to do with anything but the fact that they do not have safer barriers. That's it? I can understand that from a business standpoint. I mean, well, here, I'm maybe I'm not maybe I'm not thinking about this the right way. Maybe it's because of the insurance that they cover. It's a, it's a 3 million dollar, well, it was Estimated as a three million dollar job to put safer barriers around Thompson. Yeah, they don't have that. That stuff is like six hundred dollars per linear foot. So to do a place like Knoxville or Eldora or uh, Terre Haute or any of those with safer barriers is going to be a huge cost for the track. You mean they can run trucks at Eldora and we can't have NASCAR Cup, which isn't any faster at the RTA. So wait a did minute. Did you hear did you hear the silence of we were totally baffled by how contrived and bullshit reason that was? Do these guys even remember racing short tracks on Where their are way your up balls? the ladder? I know. I know. <laughs> what the you're, fuck? you're preaching to the choir, buddy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I God damn it. Honestly, like they're going to be going half the speed of a sprint car at, at like Knoxville. Because those guys could probably hit 140 at the end of the straightaway. They're flying. I mean, they're, these guys, <laughs> they're not going to race with a 3,400-pound chunk of, like, 
prison grade. A sprint car could go flying, cartwheeling fifteen times in the air into a big giant wooden board at or the sprint car hall of fame, practically into the front <laughs> lobby. But a NASCAR a race car can't go like eighty miles an hour. And oops, I and, spun out a little bit. Oh dear. I broke a nail. I do not disagree with you one bit, but the, the fact of the matter is, oh, I know you're on our side. If the RTA want safer barriers, none of these tracks are going to make the investment unless they see it work. So Bristol is <sighs> the guinea pig. You know how many insurance companies sponsor NASCAR? You can't get one of them to compete <laughs> over a freaking quote. Why didn't they just do this at Martinsville? <laughs> Martinsville would have been freaking hilarious. Uh, it's there's your really you know? seriously there's your test track why throw it on bristol i mean unless they have some really ex- ex- you know ex- i'm kind of interested to see the dirt me to see like i bristol. here's the thing yeah if it's not like feet upon feet of dirt underneath it it's just gonna blow off i mean what do you think of 3400 pound car going at those speeds with treaded tires sideways is gonna do that shit's not well, gonna when, last. <laughs> when they ran there before with the dirt, with the dirt super late models and the sprint cars, those cars ran in the corners right around the bottom, almost like it, against the pit wall, so low. And they had <laughs> feet of dirt down there, and they only had like twenty-two degrees of banking, I think. Oh, so they really they built the it dirt. up. Oh yeah, it's it, yeah. If you, I watch the old races that are on dirt with the sprint cars and the pro late models, they're actually ripping around there. They're going really fast. So, but none of them were going up to the top, were they? Well, they're not used to that kind of banking because right. you got to have balls to ride the cush. And uh, at twenty-two degree bankings, those <laughs> are some big old grapefruit-sized gonads. Now, what I what I do think will happen is. Guys in the cup cars will realize that the dirt's thinner up top. They'll go up there, they'll wear the dirt down to the concrete, and they'll start hooking the concrete and making it work that way. Yeah, just which will increase the honestly, level of grip. Yeah, it'll add a weird element to the race. There honestly, there ain't no way that they're even going to make it even close. That track is going to be so hard packed. It's going to be like steamroll. We're talking <laughs> dry slick. We're talking dry slick from hey, the I word so. go. Now it's wait, going to be like concrete. It, it, someone correct me if I'm wrong here, but when they ran that dirt race at Bristol, didn't they get in a shitload of like trouble by diverting like a river to wash it out instead of like cleaning it out? I don't remember. Someone's going to have to correct me on that one, but I thought a racetrack did this. And like diverted water from a river to blow the wa- the the dirt and crap out of the the track, and I thought the EPA got super super pissed about it. I don't know. I, I thought that was some kind of weird rumor I'd heard, but whatever. Again, someone will correct me if I'm completely off my rocker. Of course, the Twitterverse will find you. But are there any other like schedule changes? I mean, we talked about the road courses. We talked about two two Darlington, two Atlanta. What about uh, Nashville Super Speedway and both Darlington races going to the 750 horsepower package? Well, that was what they're supposed to do. If Boring. You... No, no, no. But we're that's the opposite, Jess. You want more horsepower. I thought they could make like 800 to 1,000 horsepower. Yeah, but now they want the engines to live. <laughs> they don't want to be rebuilding them. They should every be race. able to do 850. 
you know. I think that's the other thing is they have to oh, run shit. a sealed short block next year for 15 races, I believe. Oh, great. So they're good. So they're going to crate motors now. <laughs> oh, hold on. Let me go get my communist hat, you know. And but, start. Right, here we, here we go. go. So, uh, I mean, yeah. The, okay, if they actually Oops. looked at the uh, Xfinity races from Darlington, and so, or pretty much the rest of this entire season, because Xfinity's been noticeably better quality-wise than pretty much Trucks Cup, whatever they got put up against it. So, I mean, taking the spoiler away and putting 750 on it is perfect for Darlington. That track is supposed to be difficult to race. It's supposed to be difficult to drive. Oh, damn it. I don't think they're actual communists. They still build their yes, own Yes, they engines. are. They just have to have them. Oh. There's engineering and, and intelligence in the bottom. There's still a different Travis engine Juan and Pablo putting a crate motor together in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> just the GM ones will be from freaking Mexico. So speaking of crate <laughs> motors, I did race this past week, by the way. I think Phil watched. And you did spin. I almost got all the way around. I didn't, you got you got leaned on, and that's what started sending you around. I think I didn't really get leaned on more than I got moved out of the way, but well, I was trying to be nice to uh, Hanley in the forty six. Hanley, I think that's who's driving that. No, really? that's Stinkbine. Oh, Finkbine? Yeah. Again, I'm kind of sitting here whining about getting moved out of the way, but it's like, well, okay. I took a number. I know who you two are. Three are. <laughs> hey, you were fast. And if I didn't burn up the right rear because I had a little bit of setup issue that I didn't really realize at the time, then I would have been a lot faster. Again, I took a number. I know who you, you guys are. You have to your ass so. away and start shitting me Tiffany couplings, or I will definitely fuck you up. But yeah, I mean, I, I took note of who likes to just drive in the corner and drill someone in the left rear and move them out of the way instead if of... If it wasn't for dickheads like you, there wouldn't be any thievery in this world, would there? Instead of trying to, like, race somebody. Oh, so, you mean everybody at Stafford? Yeah, pretty much. Um, Robinson did that to me twice, and I'm wondering why my right rear was hot. But he did it to me twice, and I drove him into the grass twice. It's like, well, if you want to try to pass me, then try to pass me. If you just if you just run into me, I'm going to drive you into the grass, or if you get by me, I'm going to run you into the marbles. In Zach's defense, both times he did, you could see the nose dip. Like, he was like, oh, shit, I'm in too hot. Because he was really trying to get back to the front, obviously knowing that points were on the line. I could and see that. He, he just drove right into it. I know he didn't mean to do it that way, but... Well, once I drove him into the grass, he pulled in behind me, so... <laughs> and then, I mean, he didn't do it again a couple other times, but I noticed that... Always confusion. <laughs> I'd noticed that the gap was uh, actually increasing a little bit because the right rear of my car was just... The car was sitting too high on it, and I could see the gap between me and third increasing, and I'm like, well, Zach's going for points, and I want to kind of be in a odd number position in case the caution comes out. So I actually let Zach buy in turn one. I but, saw that. And I pulled back I in line. Went way up. Yeah, and I pulled back in line, and I'm like, okay, now I'm an odd number position. So, yeah, I, I let Zach buy it, and I'm like, okay, I'm in an odd number position. And I knew the caution was going to come out at some point. I just didn't know it was going to be for me. Um, but I I pulled back in line, and that's when the 19 
uh, drove into my left rear with no abandon whatsoever and shoved me way up the racetrack. And keep in mind, my right rear is already hot. So That's I, about normal for Adrian. I like Adrian a lot. He's a fantastic guy, but when he puts that helmet on, he's a whole different person. Well, if he gets moved out of the way this Friday, then don't come bitching to me. Um, <laughs> well, that happened, and then that allowed the 46 to get under me because I'm still trying to save the thing. Uh, and we go into turn one, and the 46, I guess he hasn't been racing these cars very long because he drove straight into the corner and moved me right into the marbles. I got that hot right rear covered in marbles, and the thing just went around. And I was like, well, I guess today's a good day to wreck. <laughs> it didn't actually go all the way around. No, I just couldn't keep it straight enough to go down the straightaway. I was trying to take a left down through the old road course, which I actually did take. So I, they threw the caution. I didn't even come to a stop, but obviously they threw it for me, so I had to go to the back. But whatever. I uh, finished ninth. I think I came back from wherever the hell I was and finished ninth. But I will be back this week. Uh, we, what's it, the last points race? It's not the last race, but it is the last points race for Stafford. But, no, we're going right up against the uh, Friday portion of the World Series at Thompson. I thought the World Series was actually the week after, but – I was incorrect. So I guess I don't really have any plans to go to the World Series because I'm going to go to Stafford on Friday. So I, I feel like the World Series is a week early for some reason. It kind of it feels like it is, but it's really close to the same dates. It's, what, the 12th, 13th, something like that, or no? It's, yeah, it seems to always flip-flop because uh, last actually, year I no, think you it was are, like 15th, 16th, 17th, or something like that. Yeah, you're right. It is like a week early. It's like 9th, 10th, and 11th. But, I mean, yeah, usually it's double-digit dates, like 15th, 16th, 17th, like you said, or 17th, 18th, 19th. You know, it's usually one of those, but, yeah, it does feel like a week early because it kind of is. But Well, I was, I was trying to plan a trip up there to go to the World Series, and uh, I was actually talking to someone about running something, and I didn't realize what the date was and i totally got it all screwed up and it kind of killed me yeah i again i didn't really have any ambition or like plans to go to the world series so i just wasn't planning on going like i have nothing ready for it i don't even know what tires are going to be on because i mean again i spoke to the tech inspectors and i'm like i'm like hey what are we going to do for tires and he said all right um he told me all the things he's working on to try to fix the rules and stuff, which one of the things he told me got released today saying that the sportsman had to run. If you have a 602 crate with headers like Stafford style, um, you have to run a two barrel carb with basically the, the Stafford style spacer or the HVH super sucker uh, spacer, which is like conical at the bottom for those, I guess, I don't know. Those rules came out which is what he told me. And then he told me something about the tires going back to what they used to be, but I haven't seen anything about that yet. So I'm like, okay, if I went to Thompson, what the hell tires would I run? And so I'm like, why would I bother changing the car over? It's already ready for Stafford. Let's just go to freaking Stafford. Oh, didn't you hear about the one where if you have headers, then you have to have the four? That's, yeah, that's what I was talking about. Oh, well, I'm going to show up again. No, it's like if I, well, you brought up a good point because you can still run the four barrel if you have manifolds. I think, because that rule used to be the rule in effect. But it's like, if I was going to do that, yeah, I'd definitely slap the four barrel on and put the manifolds on. But 
I don't have any exhaust because I hacked up my manifold exhaust to make my header exhaust. So smooth move. Anyway, so that was my personal update. Yeah, I'm going to try to make it for Stafford this weekend. Finished out the season at Stafford. Um, again, it's just, it's a, uh, it's a new challenge and I like it. It's, it's an interesting place to race. The personalities are different. Everything is new and exciting. So, you know, I'm still in the dating process. So, um, it'll be interesting to see what it's like in the future. Again, I'm building that notebook. I mean, we were kind of mediocre the first time we went there and we finished like 10th or 11th and we came back and I started 12th in the feature this time. And I was up to fourth halfway through the damn race. I just didn't have any plans. I mean, as soon as Thompson basically said, no, we're not racing, here's the rules. And um, then they had management issues, and I just wasn't going to race anyway. It's like, no, I'm not interested in going there right now. And, you know, especially when you spend a long time somewhere, you want to see a new horizon and you want to try a new experience. And you definitely want to, you know, challenge yourself a little differently. So that's what I was at Stafford for. It's, not only a challenge to get there on time, but it's a challenge to race there, and it's a new thing. So <laughs> I took it on, and I'm going to stick with it, and I don't want to keep changing my car and buying parts and doing this and forgetting that. And It becomes a headache after a while. Is that track as fun as I told you it is to drive? It's very interesting, I'll tell you that. It's it's. Um, I didn't expect to use this much brake. But then again, I'm not used to racing on a track that's this flat. But I do enjoy it. The the entry to three is so different than the entry to one. That's what got me when I started there. You know what's kind and, of funny is I actually don't treat them any differently. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, at three, I might hit the brake a little bit more, but... I drive into three deeper and lower than I do one. I kind of arc one and drive off two straighter. Hmm. Yeah, I, again, I'm still learning, but we, we, I think we've really grown by leaps and bounds within the first two races. I mean, to be, to be like no contest the first race, to be top five halfway through in the second race, starting literally on the outside of the uh, handicap where all the other fast people are actually starting in front of you, uh, especially the people who've won, you know, multiple different races in a row, starting ahead of the people who haven't. Um, but, oh, shit, I say that out loud. Anyway. If you take that 450 out of the right rear, it won't get up on the right rear as bad. Yeah, see, that's my problem is I had to take that out. I also had to take all the rear steer out, and I had to take all the adjustable shit out. So, you know. Did you fix the cambered tubes? Yeah, I got that. I had to take all the lead shot out of the one side of the chassis with the little trap door, and it was such a pain in the ass. A lot, too much going on. So I know we you also gotta do, you got to let that lead shot out while you're leading, so the second place car hits it coming off a of four, and they can't touch you. Oh yeah, don't paint your numbers on those. They'll never know where <laughs> they came from. <laughs> anyway. So I think, you know, getting back to what we usually do is leaving people hanging and, like, having news come out after we uh, aired. I forgot to mention, uh, NHRA was expected to announce a new sponsor with Camping World this upcoming week, which is kind of interesting because of all the litigation that they've been going through that we've been talking about uh, that will probably last quite a while. 
they've already announced a replacement sponsor. I guess it's even started like a from well, basically nothing more than a discussion on Twitter between uh, NHRA execs and Marcus Lemonis. So he stepped up. I know he's a big race fan, but I guess he's expanding the brand out from not only NASCAR, who he uh, sponsors as a title sponsor of the Truck Series, but he's also going to branch out to straight line racing. So that's pretty interesting. At least they got something going already before the litigation has even really begun. Are they still racing a thousand foot? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah, I mean... I don't give a shit. You're still going 330-plus miles an hour through the quarter mile. What's the difference? Gay. Anyway, Fifth of the race. They already bulldozed the track that caused the problems anyway. Sore subject. Phil, was that too soon? No. Oh, okay. Not an English Town fan? No, no. Never liked that track. Uh, shouldn't it be Columbus? Why, you don't like Columbus? No, Columbus was the shortest one at the track. Really? Sure, it was the shortest. Yeah, I thought English had the was. shortest runoff. Did they expand it, or is it still kind of shit? English Town would never had a problem. It was English. the, it was the, it was the fucking Jersey barriers at the end of the racetrack. They had to have, like move them. That's what he ran into was was something with the light poles and shit. I thought it was just really short, and they had to like it wasn't that short. Yeah, it was it was Columbus National Trail Raceway was short. They ended up in a farmer's field half the time. Well, well it, could, it could be could be uh, like Gainesville, where if they go all the way through and they make it through the sand trap, they just end up in a gator swamp. That's where Kenny <laughs> Bernstein ended up, upside down and on fire in '87. Is that where he went? Yep, that ain't no good. The Batmobile. Oh, gee. <laughs> we got to have more Jesse history lessons on this show. Yeah, that's all right. I'm done. <laughs> no, we do. I it's, thought it's, it would be nah, a good. Sorry, right. nah, I thought it would it, be a good. Drag racing is is dumb. Let's move on. Uh, you got to watch sportsman racing then. All right, so leading into this weekend, uh, I might as well stick with Stafford because I already talked about myself racing there. Why don't I talk about other people who actually were successful this weekend? Um, Self-burn. But going into it, uh, Keith Rocco had the possibility of clinching the SK title at Stafford and breaking the record for the most NASCAR Division I track titles at 18. Uh, I believe he was tied with Joe Kosicki at 17 Division One track championships last year. And uh, he had a 70-point lead going into Friday, and he would clinch with an 11th-place finish. Let's see. The SK Light point situation was also tight, but that was also kind of weird because um, Brian Sullivan missed two races for different various reasons, and he was thinking he wasn't even really running for points, and he ends up in the point lead with two races to go. Now, Alexander Pearl wrecked three times and was eight points behind before Friday. Uh, and another strange twist, uh, I remember talking about this wreck last week. It was Brandon Michael. He returned to the street stock competition in the John Orsini 56 car, which in a weird twist is the same car that destroyed him the week before. Now, obviously, I don't know the story behind that, uh, Phil, do you know any of these people? I, I heard something about they share, uh, or the, the sponsor, rsmpco.com, I think it is, for the, the 56 car of Orsini. Yeah, a bunch of those guys uh, have that screw decal. Yeah, I guess, I guess they reached out to Brandon Michael about something, and then they got on the topic of driving the car, and they ran it by John, and John was like, yeah, let's put him in the car. 
and it it all just worked out i guess isn't that the guy who wrecked him or did what what's happening yep (laughs) he just goes yeah sure so he goes i wrecked him yeah sure put him in the car well orsini is suspended supposedly indefinitely i don't know what the actual penalty was but it's always some something like that and then you'll see him in the next few years or something He'll be back at the Sizzler. Who knows? <laughs> uh, late model points going into Friday. The top three were within eight points. Uh, Adam Gray, Michael Bennett, and uh, Albert Saunders. And I that think... That, that, open. What's that? I said that got blown open. Yeah, and then um, the limited late model points coming into Friday were tied between the top two. I believe that was Andrew Durand and uh, Alexandra Fern. Yep. Okay. So, getting into Friday, everybody knows where I finished. I finished ninth, whatever. Build that notebook. But for the third week in a row, Megan Fuller won the street stock race. Uh, I I don't think I'll be the only one in saying our race was ugly and embarrassing at times. Slightly. At least you didn't launch one out of the ballpark, though. Hmm. Yes, we will get to that one. There's a teaser for everybody if they didn't know. Um, So the street stock points after Friday. Megan Fuller now leads by six over Zach Robinson after taking the point lead this past race. Um, Chris Meyer remains in third, still at the same gap. He came in 16 back, and now he's still 16 back with one to go. And to be fair, um, with car counts the way they are, and I hate to give people false hope, um, that's only eight positions. So if either of those two other people get caught up in a wreck early and end up not finishing, there could be a spoiler. There's still the, the the situation still exists. The possibility is there. So I won't discount it. And I will absolutely say that that race alone on Friday, if you can't make it to the track, staffordspeedway.tv, it will be worth the $20 that you pay to watch that race. I promise. Oh, I mean, their their um, production is just so phenomenal. I mean, oh, I better than Speed Fifty One. Uh, you your words. Uh, I don't want to get sued, but anyway, <laughs> um, no, I've definitely subscribed or bought races from different uh, streaming services. We'll say, and um, they've never been this good. Like Stafford's, it's clear as day. You can hear the announcers. The announcers actually can pronounce the names properly. Um, you get replays. You get like commentary during replay. Everything is live, and they just do such a good job of switching it. I mean, it's just amazing to watch. And it's again, the connection is so much better. I they, I've never had it drop out, even on a Chromecast that's old. So it's good. I like it. It's yeah. it's produced like a a top level show. Yeah. I agree. It's very, very well done. I agree. It is literally the next best thing to being there. It's actually, I think it's actually better than being there. But oh, I'd agree. It's nice to be in a warm house this this late in the year. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, all right. So limited late models. Andrew Durand picked up the win. I believe Alexander Fern finished second. So that point situation has Andrew Durand only up two points over Fern and up by 10 over Jeremy Lavoie. That's going to be a good show, too. 
Yeah, they don't have a lot of cars, but let me tell you something. You don't need a lot of cars if you've only got a two or ten point gap because they still make enough to, or they still have enough in the field for you to make that up. So that's going to come down to it. Well, and there's, I think there's any one of ten cars in that division, too, and there's only 12 of them that can win. I would agree. You just got to be up front first, basically. It's it's like a lot of other divisions. Um, let's see. Late models. Adam Gray picked up his sixth win. This reminds me of the year he came down from a nad knock and absolutely kicked everyone's head in. Now, remember, this was pretty tight between the three cars of uh, Bennett, Saunders, and Gray, and I believe they were all within eight points of each other. Uh, but that got kind of turned on its head because Adam Gray picked up that win and now leads by 36 over Michael Bennett. I think uh, Bennett got wrecked. And didn't Saunders also have trouble too? Saunders had trouble and had to pit really late. and he just, I don't think he could make it back through the field if he even got back on track. Yeah, so. I didn't see him after lap 20. I didn't see him at all. So, yeah, Adam Gray took a real stranglehold on that one within one race. Like I said, points can change very quickly by a big amount. So Yeah, I, just, I, think, I think Adam's got this one locked up, honestly. Yeah. Adam is so consistent. He knows how to take care of his stuff, and he's just a hell of a driver. Yeah, I think he has to stay within, like, eight. I can't do math. But it's got to be within probably within the top 12, and he'll be fine. He can easily pull that out any night just putting it on cruise control. But, again, yep. you never know. So Hey, we could talk real quick, though. Paul Varecchio Jr. from the Renner Race Car Camp leading a good portion of that race had an outstanding run. Yeah, we could give Paul a little shout-out here. I know those guys have really kind of struggled with budget and stuff, but you know they're not one of the most well-funded teams, but... They've been learning how to make do with what they have for years, and I think it's finally was, starting to show a little bit here. That was incredible to watch. I was when that when that late caution came out while he was leading. I was so pissed. <laughs> yeah, that was the only way they were really going to beat him. Sometimes you just got to be out front and and fast enough to stay in the way. Yep, we we know that all too well. Um, <laughs> so, all right. So I guess we'll have to redo that. Uh Sorry, Phil. Sorry, Phil. My cat got on the board and stopped it. Now we have to redo 15 minutes of fucking footage. Anyway, SK Lights at Stafford. Yeah. (laughs) Derek Debus won his, I forget how many wins, but that car is just ridiculous. Um, This points battle got really just knocked out of the water because Alexander Pearl lost a hose going into turn three and wrecked hard. And uh, Prucker and Josh Carey followed him in. Prucker got wrecked pretty good over in turn three, but nowhere near as bad as Pearl. And Josh Carey, Phil, you watched that online. What did you think? Nothing. That was okay. uh, probably the, one of the wildest hits I've ever seen. Yeah, he didn't. What's the funny is like he didn't even really hit that hard. He kind of he, I know he hit Pearl's car, and he just kind of launched up and and it was kind of funny looking. He. Launches up over the right side of Pearl's car, sliding on the the water, and he comes up, and he launches through the air, hits the top of the Armco, slides along it like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, keeps on the wall for a bit, and then just kind of lazily slides down off the back of the track out of the park, which... The, The only thing that actually kept him from going in the parking lot was the signboard. Yeah, I I saw on the replay that the... 
I think he backed into a white sign and his front tire hit with some other sign. It actually like moved, but it kept him in. So I've, again, I had to do some research, but I looked it up and I'm like, I think the last time a car actually went out of the park at Stafford was 1983 with Corky Cookman. Right. And I know before they put the concrete walls in at Thompson, cars used to go out of the park all the time because they had like what big sand walls and they'd just go flying over them and just land out in the woods or in the swamp. Like Bill McNeil. Yeah. I think McNeil went out with the uh, concrete still there. Yes. And I know, I'm pretty certain a uh, modified or somebody went over the front stretch once in the 80s, like flipped over, landed in the uh, walkway area between the two walls before you get to the the, uh, fans fencing. Right. I'd have to look that up. I forget who that was, but I know some people have gone out. But it's really. I would, I would definitely have to commend the uh, Stafford Wrecker Crew too on their the way they got that car out of there. Yeah, they took their time. They didn't ruin someone else's equipment. It wasn't that damaged from the wreck. They gingerly, I think they put straps like axle straps, like you know the fabric type, like ratchet strap material, like axle straps with the two hangers on the end around the roll bars so it wouldn't scuff them up or like indent them or anything. And they used the two lines on the, on the uh, boom of the record truck and picked it up that way by taking the roof off and everything. So they were really ginger about it and they didn't just yank onto the front bumper and just pull it off the wall. Like some tracks probably would. I mean, we got stories about cars getting wrecked by the record crew from like way back in the day at Waterford, not, not the current record crew, but the old, old one. I think, well, if you read uh, Facebook, there was people complaining about the record crew this week. Really? Yeah, it, I, don't, I don't understand why. They they said they grabbed it by the f- the fuel cell crash bar and it bent something else. I'm like, well, maybe you shouldn't erect. Or you could stand there and direct them. They will take instruction if you ask nicely. Like, I've, I've helped a record crew get my car off the track before, and they're like, where do you want it hooked? I'm like, put it here and here. You know, and I would. Heroes that think they know better than people who get paid to do their job. That's all. These people know what they're doing on the wrecker cruise. Yeah, maybe the boom is a little too high and it drags the fuel cell when you're towing a modified. But let's be honest, when you knock the fucking front tires off of it, it becomes really goddamn hard to tow when the tires are dragging at the side of the truck. It makes it really unstable. So, again, just stop bitching. But anyway, I think we got a little off topic, but we were talking about, I think we were up to. What's that? My fault. Well, whatever. Stories are good. Um, I think we were up to SKs. And uh, Mike Christopher Jr. picked up his first win in nearly two years. He snapped a almost two-year win, uh, winless streak. I almost said win streak, but that's definitely the opposite. Um, Keith Rocco finished third, and that was just a really just crazy last lap, or last couple laps. I think there was a restart with like four laps to go. Todd Owen and Keith Rocco were just battling it out, and I think they got together once, and that allowed Mike Christopher to get in there, and he got to the lead, and I think they drag raced to the line coming out of four, and just a really good race all around. But if you want to watch it, go to Stafford Speedway's uh, Facebook or Twitter or or basically any one of their social media pages, and they'll have it up right now. Um, But, yeah, that's any page, basically. And... Keith Rocco picked up his fourth Stafford title. He clinched it a race early. 
uh, Stafford SK title, I should say. And that set the new uh, NASCAR Division One record for most track championships. That was his 18th NASCAR championship and uh, Division One title, and he did it in 14 years. Now, again, I know that he's got other championships, but they don't count as Division Ones. But he's also won a ton. Like he's won a street stock title when Waterford was in NASCAR, and he's won late model titles when Waterford was NASCAR. And I think he did. He ever win a a late model championship at Stafford or did he just like do that on and off and win races? I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one. And I'm, he might've done it at Thompson. I don't really remember. Um, I just remember his car getting wrecked really bad once. Um, but yeah, he was good in those cars too, but again, they don't really count towards this division one, uh, count, but you look at him and it's like, this guy has definitely over 20 track championships between at least three separate divisions. So that's just an insane number. I mean, could you picture yourself with racing at three Connecticut tracks? That's pretty much his whole bread and butter was just racing in Connecticut. And he's got 20-plus track championships in three-plus divisions in, like, relatively 17 years. I'd be happy to just have one. Yeah, one would be great. I'd love to have one. (laughs) I mean, I definitely finished close enough but not you know above that so we'll get there someday anyway so yeah that was again we just got one more point race left this friday october 9th and that's also the start of the world series at thompson which again we've talked about earlier this podcast is being feels like a week early and we honestly think it is because it's interfering with one day from stafford but I don't think any of the divisions that they're going to run on Friday could have any interference except for, I think they might have an open street stock race, but let's be fair. If you're racing at Stafford, you have no shot at that race. Um, so let's stay local here and go with some Waterford results. Cause I don't want to obviously discount those guys at all. Uh, legend. Uh, sorry. I saw the name and I thought legend car for some reason. No, it's late models. They had a 50-lap race, and Ryan Morgan picked up the win. I believe that might be his third this year. Don't quote me on that. Um, but I guess it was a photo finish. And, again, I don't have a photo or video to go by. I know somebody probably has video, but they haven't gotten it out yet because it's, it takes a long time to process and edit. But uh, we should have results from their social media or somebody's social media, but I have to go on Race Monitor to find the results to Waterford and I'd never like if I go to if I need results from Stafford I can literally go on Twitter and find it in five minutes or I can go on Facebook and see something posted but for Waterford it's like pulling teeth again I have to go on a automated computer system like race monitor that automatically posts results to get results so that I can write my notes for the show I mean so if there's any lacking information from Waterford well then share them on Facebook Twitter and Instagram and whatever else I can see it on because then I'll be able to talk about it I think Waterford posted theirs today. Really? Yes. Man, they got to hire somebody. <laughs> Come on. I, I, I'm glad the place is open, but they, they do have some glaring issues that they need to tend to. But again, like I've said to other people, Rome wasn't built in a day, so I'm not going to be too hard on them. Yeah, I guess people are happy, so let's just let them be happy and they'll fix this problem as it comes. But at least we're getting some results here. Okay, so they had a ton of divisions yet again. Um, 
I didn't even want to count them, but it looks like about eight again. Uh, Legends cars. What's that? I said, what do they think? They're in Florida? I know, right? Too many divisions. Get rid of all these divisions and have more car counts in one division. So Legends cars. Connor Holderback won. I feel like he's won before this year, but I forget. <laughs> There's my explanation. Is that explanation. Uh, what 51 i don't think so i don't know who the hell he is i'm um, sorry dude but again they don't post pictures so i can't have anything to associate you with so many stocks charles canfield won again uh i can tell that mark macaroni was not in the uh, field this week because he didn't win uh open street stocks uh david petty won uh again these are kind of mostly the seacont guys who run this division uh but they had 20 cars yeah, they had a good field of cars for that. Yeah, that's really good. So we move on to SK Lights. Now, SK Lights, Robert Bloxham won. And I thought I had something to say about him, but I don't really remember about Robert Bloxham. I keep getting confused as to who he is. I guess that's my problem. Like, has he run SKs for a while? Did he come out of full-body cars? Does somebody? Did he come from Stafford? I think he ran the... Maybe it was the Jensen 79 car or 179 at one point, and then he ran an SK light for uh, someone at Stafford, and now I think he's running this thing. I thought he came out of, like, Dare Stocks or Limited Late Models or something, but I could be I'm mis- not completely sure. He's a young kid. He's he's a pretty good shoe. I, I could be mistaken. I It's hard for me to associate names and faces when I don't know the face, so... All right, so SKs. Eric Burnt went to Victory Lane. That's a name you don't see at Waterford very often. Or was you, that Bears car? Bears? Yeah, it was Bears car. That's awesome. Yeah. Big, bright 14 purple numbers. Yep. Yeah. So, again, you don't see Eric Burnt down there and um, modified anymore. I know he kind of cut his teeth there and kind of moved on. He went to Stafford and Thompson, and I think he might have done some dabbling on the tour once in a while, but... To see him back at Waterford, and especially in Bears' car, I know they put up a good showing at uh, the SK-102 when I was there. Um, they might not have got a top-five finisher. They might have. I don't remember. But they didn't get wrecked. So I know they had a good showing otherwise. But So good for those guys. I know that he's, uh, he well, that, that family, let's say. That family is kind of a staple in Waterford, so it's nice to see a burnt back down there. Sportsman, Sean Monahan won. Uh, I didn't look at their car counts. I didn't see how many guys were there, but they've been putting up some decent stuff lately. And in the Speed Bowl trucks, Ken Cassidy Jr. went back to victory lane. I know he had a winless drought there for a little while in those trucks because he was real hot early and then kind of had some issues and failures, but I guess he had to come from last to win that race, so that's pretty exciting. And Kenny has actually, he's taken that truck and he's putting a lot of doubters in their place because they're like oh well he's a one type of car you know one track jack type of driver he can only race at waterford and you can only run minis well he hops in this truck never driving one before and goes out wins his first race so it's like i mean the kid's a contender in anything you just got to give him a chance absolutely and that's a good truck too so oh yeah yeah very nice equipment they do a very nice job maintaining it okay so i already mentioned thompson coming up this weekend for their world series and uh, the 50% capacity law takes effect at uh, the 8th, which is Thursday. 
So that's right in time for the last Stafford race and for the World Series at Thompson. So we'll hopefully see a little bigger, uh, bigger crowds and a little bit less issue. I think the last little bit of local info that I have that I wanted to share was uh, Jason Corliss won the 58th Milk Bowl at Thunder Road. I believe that was his third win. And uh, I definitely had aspirations of running that race when I had an ACT chassis. And obviously that dream died very quickly. So that bucket list item, we'll just have to wait. All right, anybody else got any local news before I kind of go through the the speed round of national news that no one gives a shit about? (laughs) I don't know anything that really happened local this week. Even Florida news, like you went to some race? Uh, Yeah, well, that's not local to Connecticut. I don't give a damn. (laughs) I got to see uh, Bubba Pollard make uh, George Gorham look really bad well did he deserve it oh yeah okay well i mean if you you know deserve it ten thousand to win super late model race at citrus county speedway in inverness florida uh bubba pollard steve uh nassie and uh jared irvin among others ran in this race and uh it was an impressive show. There's no capacity laws here in Florida. We live in Freedomville, USA. Oh, you live in America. Nobody yeah, nobody cares about the, the fake virus. Um, hey, I mean, a 70-plus-year-old man with a stressful schedule who eats McDonald's every day just pretty much beat it. So, I mean, well, how bad could it be? Right. But uh, so they started, <laughs> I believe, 28 super late models on a one-third mile oval. Yikes. It was a bit of a shit show to start. Steve Nassie looked fast in the beginning and under caution coming to one to go uh, for a restart on like lap 15. He lost a belt and had to pull in the pits and his night was done. That sucks. Uh, But from there, it was pretty much Bubba Pollard and local hot shoe George Gorham. Hot shoe or hot head? I mean, it depends <laughs> on which day of the week. That's fair. Jo- I mean, George is a great driver. I enjoy watching him race, but he's he's a little rough. And he ran Bubba all over the track. And on a track that's essentially a one-groove track, as it was repaved a couple years ago, and it, it really hasn't burned in the top groove too well yet. Uh, Bubba drove around him on the high side and really just made him look silly i mean you gotta do what you gotta do yeah it, it was it was a good show and the the crowd absolutely appreciated anybody that saw the replay they appreciated the uh the comments in victory lane by bubba afterwards bubba looked heated too he he was bubba was nice to to george on the track didn't really rough him up, even though Bubba got walled a couple times, which it, it's debatable whether that was intentional. They were racing really, really hard for the lead, and uh, it, it was kind of hard to tell if George just got loose or slid the nose on exit or, or what happened there. But Bubba got into the wall a couple times, and um, he didn't he didn't run into him. He didn't do anything intentional. He just took his time and drove around him on the top side. And once he did, he kind of 
saved his tires, you could tell, for a few laps just to make sure there wasn't going to be another restart. And once it was clear the race was going to be single file and green to the end, uh, for the most part, with five to go, he just kind of legged it out. And I think he won by, like, ten car lengths. Yeah, sometimes if uh, you start getting pushed around by some idiot, you just got to kind of make them look dumb, and that's the best way you can punish them, you know? I'll tell you what, though. Honestly, I look forward to racing against George because he's he's one of the top drivers in this state, and I will be racing against him in the sportsman's. Well, I said that um, in jest, but, you know. No, but I'm just saying, like, ha-ha, people around here might call him different things. I won't specifically name his nicknames that I've heard. but Warhammer? <laughs> I mean, I've heard that one. Yeah. Uh, but it, he's he's a good driver, good equipment always brings his a game and he's always up front so if i get to race against george i know i'm doing well so that's fair that's the way i'm kind of looking at it yeah i mean the guy could stick with uh bubba pollard that's pretty good so oh and i don't think anybody really expected a local to to contend so well with with someone i mean he started saying all oh, bubba races every week and he I have to race for a week, a living, or work for a living, and Bubba doesn't. That's not exactly true, but Bubba's Bubba's definitely got his shit together with that program. Yeah, I mean, if you can do what he does, then he can. There's an obvious reason why he can do that, you know. Absolutely. So I'll do the lightning round of national news. Uh, I heard some some I don't know some information from some deep corner of wherever the hell I was Twitter. Um, but Justin Marks apparently has a new cup team called track house coming out. I don't know if anybody else has heard about this, but I've, I have, I've seen that they have a Twitter account and I've seen that they have news coming or something like that, which I didn't actually see, but, um, I heard a rumor that Floyd Mayweather is supposedly uh, involved in that as well. See, I'd heard something about Floyd Mayweather being involved in something, but like, I had no idea what the hell they were talking about. <laughs> so. He might be just a uh, investor in the team. Possibly, I know he wanted to get the the money Mayweather name into the sport. So, but I I saw the news and I'm like, wait, Justin Marks has money for a cup team, and then you had mentioned Floyd Mayweather, and it's like, oh yes, apparently he does. So, <laughs> hey, if I got paid, you know, fifty million dollars a whack to get my face knocked in, I'd probably do it too. Um, anyway. So I heard Chad Canales was promoted to vice president of competition at Hendrick next year. 2020 will be his last year as a crew chief. Um, I don't know how to feel about that other than, you know what, I'm, I'm, you know what, I'm sure that he's had a good career and he's fine with it, especially with winning, I don't know, seven championships and having his name etched in that, you know, history book is a guy who can do that. I mean, look at Rick, I mean, um, Ray Evernham, he won like four championships with Jeff Gordon. People regard him as a great crew chief. I mean, look at um, now Chad Canales is much higher on that list, and he's still be involved, which will be nice. But there's a lot of good deep talent on the crew side as well, sitting there waiting to come up and make their names may, uh, heard as well. So it'd be interesting to see who moves where. But I know we've also heard some other silly, weird, silly season rumors like um ryan priest being on the list for the 48 car which i was like well okay and yeah let's file that that let's file let's file that under the i don't believe it you know drawer 
Um, what about uh, Kyle Larson's little essay that he put out the other day? I, I think that's uh, a precursor to something to come here this week or I next week. honestly did not read it because I just wasn't interested in, like, harping on this shit anymore. It's like, I'm, I'm over it, and I've been over it since it happened. Just can we I, move I don't on? I I just think it was kind of done for a reason. And then I heard blabberings about him going to the 48 next year. I see. I've been consistently hearing that. Yeah. So I don't have any freaking idea what's going on. All I gotta say oh. is that they better re-sign uh, Matt De Benedetto. They better re-sign his ass. If they don't re-sign De Benedetto, it's blood is on Penske's hands for that one. Yeah, because he'll be valuing somebody bringing money to the team over what this guy has already done for the team. I mean. You got to give the guy a little bit of credit. I mean, he's only in this equipment, which, let's be fair, is the redheaded stepchild for Penske. It's not bad equipment, but it's not their top shit either, probably. Um, he took this team from absolute mediocrity when Paul Menard drove it. And let's be fair, Paul was a solid racer, but he wasn't great by any means. He could bring a car home um, and drive it on the trailer every week. In 25th. Right, but he could bring the car home. Matt De Benedetto has scored three second place finishes this year, and they've all come recently too. Yeah, I mean he had one early on this year at Las Vegas, but he had a, a second in the next Vegas race, which was what two weeks ago, and then he finishes second this week at Talladega, and it's like man, the guy has four second place finishes in Cup now, without a win, but obviously those have only come in the last year or two. So it's like, man, you just got to give the guy a little bit of time, a little bit of energy, and a little bit of credit. So, And he's, I mean, if you're bringing extra money in over top of him, I mean, what's, I mean, Paul Menard is the freaking sponsor. He put, you know, Matt in that car. He said to those guys, put him in this car. And he, you know, he kept his sponsorship on it. And, and something else that I should mention, too, and, and I don't know if you happen to notice this, it was brought up to me. On uh, by someone on Twitter, the 48 car. So when when Alex Bowman signed his con contract extension earlier this year, nowhere in the press release or anything that was mentioned publicly did it say what car he's going to be driving. Does it have to? Most do. Huh. So did he so sign I'm, a general I'm deal with Hendrick? Yeah, I'm wondering if my general theory that I came up with a few weeks ago, which I had heard other people say the same thing, so I won't take sole credit for it, but uh, I wonder if they're going to move Alex to the 48, since he lacks funding for next year, and the 48 is fully funded, and put a funded driver into eight into the 88 such as a Corey LaJoy or somebody that has the money to supplement what that team still needs they could very well I have a feeling that's what we're gonna see happen with that cross I'd be I'm you know what I'm just kind of at the point where I'm like okay we've speculated enough and we've put literally every single other driver that was a free agent in that car already can we just announce it and get it over with at this point I'm just kind of over it done like let's just put the pin in this balloon and get the surprise out of the way you know what else really uh 
made me raise an eyebrow though was the the Rick Hendrick RCR uh, engine alliance. Oh yeah, and they're going to be like co-manufacturing engines or something like that, and they're all going to be specific to whatever they're building or I forget what the hell they're exactly doing, but it's something like that. Yeah, but so does that now put Ty Dillon on the hypothetical list for the eighty-eight? I mean, it very well could, but I mean, this is probably one of the most confusing silly seasons I can remember in recent years. Yeah, because there's more speculation than there is news. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, there's there's a lot going on. There's a lot of people switching places, and nobody really knows. And this this drivers like Ryan Priest. Nobody's really talking about the fact that his contract's up at the end of the year. Yeah, except us. I think we've speculated on where he's going every week. I don't. I, I, I honestly would like to see him get out of that 40, uh, 37. And even if he goes back to Xfinity in a better situation, something to continue building his career forward. Because right now it's just stagnant. Yeah, he's not really going to go anywhere with that team other than getting essentially cup experience that's that's all he's really gonna get when he joined i understand there was there was some potential and some some hope there looked like some uh uh light at the end of the tunnel with what they were doing but it just seems like they they got to a point where they can run as a consistent top 15 12th to 18th car and that that's about where they're gonna run yeah, I mean, they just—it was kind of an underdelivered promise, I would think. Anyway, why don't I get into the lightning round of who won at uh, Talladega over the weekend? Because this thing is going a little long. Um, trucks. Rafael Lasard won his first uh, career win in the Truck Series uh, in an, a rather anticlimactic finish that saw a well, I think a couple trucks wrecked on the backstretch way off in turn three. And they threw the caution on the last lap, so he was scored the leader, and he won. Um, I think they threw the caution, though, because there was a truck on fire. That could very well be it, but, I mean, again, they're not going to come back around at full speed. They're going to hit the yellow as soon as they hit the line. They're going to slow down. They're going to come back by anyway, so whatever. Um, Xfinity Series, Justin Haley won his third straight at Talladega, I believe. And I think he joined the Earnhardts, both junior and senior, as being three straight Talladega winners. In another uh, anticlimactic finish where they wrecked at the end of the backstretch and they threw the caution when the field was in turn three. So two races in a row, the finish was like, all right, this looks exciting, and it's over. So <laughs> I just that's kind of my opinion on it. Uh, so Cup Series, Denny Hamlin picked up that win in a very controversial finish that I saw every single idiot on Facebook and Twitter blowing up about because they were mad over the fact that the underdog didn't win and uh, a rule that was very clearly um, discussed and explained. So I'm sure there's some kind of opinion floating around. I, I, I'm over it. I'm not even going <laughs> to... Get I mean, rid of the fucking yellow line rule. Well, you know, NASCAR has the yellow line rule to stop these guys from crashing. They would wreck less <laughs> without it. 
Well, no, that's their explanation. They said they have it there because they don't want people crashing, which has obviously worked really well. It's done a fantastic job at stopping these guys from crashing. I'm shaking there my were head. There two cars on that entire track that had no damage yesterday. It was the Pace car and Denny Hamlin's car. Yep, Denny rode around the back until like 20 to go and then marches to the front with and you know is aided by a couple cautions and the correct pit strategy. And yeah, his car was lightning fast at the beginning. They saved it. Everybody else wrecked. Literally, it was just a demo derby. Um, Brad Keselowski. Restrictor plate races. What's that? I have a dumb idea for restrictor plate races. Oh, go ahead, and then I'll give you my Brad Keselowski quote. Split the restrictor plate races up and into multiple points features during one race, like actual points. Money awarded, points awarded, everything. Like do three races in one, make the stage an entire race? Yes. Hmm. You want more wrecks or? Not just stage points. So do you want more wrecks or? Well, it's. (laughs) Because that's what they're going to do. Seeing Denny Hamlin just ride around in the back all day, and, and there were many others that did it. I, I'm not interested in that. Like, that's. Same reason I'm, I mean, I, I respect Matt Hirschman, but I am just not a fan of that kind of racing. Well, it's the only way they're winning. They're keeping yeah. their car intact until the end when it counts, and then that's just intelligent racing. It might be boring, but they're the I ones holding the check at the end of the day. What's that? I just want to see race car wrestling. <laughs> then watch WWE. Those aren't race cars. Well, smoke a bunch of, like, meth or something until they look like race cars. Does that work? I don't even know. Some meth head's going to yell at me. probably get that really easy. Well, I mean, you are in Florida, yes, so you can get that. Probably next door. If you walk next door, there's probably a meth lab next to you. It is Florida. I mean, I have a a midget that lives across the street. Little person. Well, I was going to say their ethnicity, too, but then I'd sound like a racist and get oh, called out. Oh, fair enough. Go ahead. They're, they're, they're black. Okay, that matters, but go ahead. Black, I've never seen a black midget in my life, and I just think it's funny. <laughs> super nice people. I, I will say that. Super, super nice people. You know, I'm... First, co- they come over and welcome me to the neighborhood when I moved in. Well, that's awful but nice I of them. I, I couldn't help but laugh a little bit when I was like, well, no, oh, wow. these exist. I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, man, now I don't think I've ever seen one either. It, it's very, very interesting. But again, super, super nice people. So I can't say too much. They've been over a number of times, helped me out with stuff. They're, they're great people. See, redeemed. Absolutely. Perfect. All right. So, um, and then I have Yankees fans from neighbors on the other side, and I oh. just want to. Great. So you feel just like at home. Exactly. All right. Anyway, so, again, I think it's just smart racing. I think that the Xfinity package is definitely not the – like, you know, we bitch about the tall spoilers and the splitter and the less horsepower, but you know what? At a restrictor plate track like this or, you know, a plate or a super speedway, we should call it because technically they don't run restrictor plates, and I don't want people texting me about it. Um, But this package is much better on these types of tracks than what the Xfinity series run. The Xfinity series, they would just get in one line at the top and ride around. And if anybody tried to form another line, it would never form up and they would just go back into the other line and it was boring. 
with what the Cup Series has, that doesn't happen. People can form runs very easily. People say almost too easily. They think it's... Uh, the closure rate is actually too high in those cars, but I'm like, well, maybe you could just lift off the gas pedal. Um, but if for this package, yeah, I'd say that the Cup Series definitely has it on the super speedways. So it made for an interesting race, even though they crashed pretty much everything and made themselves look dumb in the process. But anyway, I am now out of notes. Does anybody have any final thoughts? Uh, nothing here. Jesse, you? That's a no. Are you sticking to your promise of like not speaking or something? <laughs> I didn't shut his mic off. Jesse, I miss you. <laughs> oh dear. All right, my final thought nope. is that uh, we're going to be racing again this week at Stafford. Tune into StaffordSpeedway.tv and see if I spin out again or get spun out again. Whatever happened there. Uh, geez, I forgot where you can find us at. You can find us on Instagram at Making Laps Podcast, Facebook.com slash Making Laps Podcast. A few links to playing platforms like Amazon or uh, not Amazon. What the hell is it called? Uh, Google Play, uh, Apple, Stitcher, all these different, I, different, damn it, I can't even speak tonight. All these different listening platforms. You can head on over to GleasonBrosRacing.com, the website for my race team that I still have yet to update. Apparently, I have it as a uh, bookmark in the internet. Anyway, Roger, you want to say the ending? Yeah. Say it right there. Keep the side down and stay out of the fence. Thanks for listening. All right. That's it. See you all later. Later.